Welcome to Welcome to the Hallowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode, what, 5? Five of Charmed. She's a man, baby. She's a man, comma, baby, not she's a man, baby. She's not someone who's complaining on the internet about new Star Wars ruining their childhood or whatever. Did you see that, like... That formal letter written by the Star Wars community to Disney. Oh, no, I think I missed that. Apparently it came out a few years back, but it was making its rounds again. And I'm like, how do you write this and not feel embarrassed? Right? Like, it was just... The most entitled thing, and oh, new Star Wars is saying that white men can't be heroic or something, and, like, they're complaining about Leia flying through space in a shot reminiscent of Mary Poppins, and I'm like, it is beyond me that people complained about that, that people are like, oh, the Force can't do that. It's basic telekinesis. She used... Yeah, you just, you force-pull the ship towards you and you're in space, and it pulls you towards the ship. It's, yeah, it's like, it inc- it's like the first thing everyone learns when they're doing Force stuff. Why are people like, the Force can't do that? What are they teaching in school these days? Also, I'm assuming none of these people read any of the EU books, which I'm not overly familiar with, but... Apparently the Force basically does all sorts of BS in those. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Even though those are all non-canon now. Mm. Oh no, that means not... That means that the universe is lost out on your favorite character. <sighs> yes, I don't care for Mara Jade. I, I won't get into it, but I don't care for Mara Jade. Aren't they kind of... Aren't all the Star Wars novels kind of fanfic anyway? Like, everyone has twins or whatever, and all of them have super special powers. And, and uh, Yeah, I'm a little bit. A little bit. I mean, say what you will about... Um, I don't know. What was it called? Rise of the Skywalker? Yes. Say what you will about that, which... I mean, yeah. But... The novel set up that the Emperor has, like, a bajillion clones just running around all willy-nilly. People complained about that as well they should have because it wasn't set up at all. I'm not going to get into it, but, like, people complained about that, but I feel like the people who were complaining about that were also, some of them anyway, the same people who were complaining about the novels being no longer canon. You really don't want to talk about this episode of Charmed, do you? I didn't have the issues with it, you did. I think it was a middling episode of Charmed that, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by the lack of transphobia. It was less transphobic than I thought it was going to be, that's that's true. It's just regular sexist. Yes. So, who's responsible for She's a Man, Baby? So this episode was written by Javier Grillo Marxosh, who's one of... One of her standbys. Yes. It was directed by Martha Mitchell, who has not directed any other episodes of Charmed. She has directed a bunch of other shows, so she's clearly... You know, that's that's what she does. You know, a couple episodes of NCIS, a couple episodes of Bones. But the thing that stood out to me was her very first credit, which was as script supervisor... On a 1983 horror movie called Sleepaway Camp. You mean the queer, iconic, classic Sleepaway Camp? I 
I don't know if that's what I would call it, but yeah, that's the one I mean. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't call it that either, but it, it is, I don't know, it is sort of a it's landmark a... queer movie. Sure, sure. Um, so... I mean, it gets shown at a lot of queer fis- uh, film festivals. It's, it, it, it is a thing. It's obviously not a good thing, but it is a thing in, in queer cinema. Yeah, and I mean, for people who don't know the film, and and people who know the film but haven't seen it probably just know the twist at the end of the film, Mm. which is when we discover that the main character is trans. In, you know, the vague way you can be trans in the media in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that's the right way to describe her. Um... Because she's she's assigned male at birth, but then raised as a girl to substitute for the sister that died. So I don't really even know what to do with that. Okay, so there was a movie uh, with Brittany Murphy when she was kind of up-and-coming-ish. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Brittany Murphy. I know it was a, someone who died um, young-ish. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it was Brittany Murphy. I think it was called Cherry Falls. Okay. Do, do you have any I've never heard of this? that. Mm-mm. Okay, so it was a horror movie. In the, in the uh, mid-2000s, I got really into cheap slasher movies Okay. when I was in college because you can just, you can put them on in the background and... People were uploading them to YouTube all willy-nilly because YouTube wasn't really on its game yet. Sure. So you could just burn through a bunch of them in one night when you were writing a paper. Mm-hmm. But the conceit of the movie is someone is killing virginal teenagers in this town. Okay. In some town. So the teenagers decide to throw a big party where everyone's going to lose their virginity so they'll all be safe from the serial killer. And spoiler alert for that movie... The killer ends up being their teacher, who I'm relatively sure was played by Jay Moore or someone Jay Moore-esque. Okay. And he's a cross-dresser or something, just out of nowhere right at the end. But this was the thing in horror movies. You know the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, I think? The one that Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey's agents tried to have killed after they became way more famous right after starring in it? I, I didn't know about that. Okay, so there's a, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, Renee Zellweger is a teenager who gets really high at her prom, and she and her friends drive off, and they get found by the, you know, murder family from that, uh, including Matthew McConaughey, who has a robot leg inexplicably. Okay. And that's the movie where Leatherface is... A crossdresser also so this was just like a thing in horror movies for a while there huh well i don't know but... i mean using trans people as villains is not new new i i mean queer coding villains in general isn't a new thing yeah. look at all of peter laurie's career look at all of bella lugosi's career so having firmly placed this episode in the history of transphobic cinema i guess we could say this episode is not that bad yeah uh, again i was pleasantly surprised by how 
little transphobia there was in it. Honestly, there's kind of less gay panic than one would expect. I mean, really, I think the big issue with this episode is the gender essentialism. Yes. Hey, look, it's every episode of Friends. Oh. Boy, when you're marathoning Friends, it really becomes clear how the, like, one joke well that they kept going back to is gender essentialism. Oh, no. Uh, Chandler likes naps, and that makes him gay for some reason. And baths. And, oh, yeah. Well, well, remember, he has a submarine, so it's not gay when he takes a bath. Fellas, is it gay to take a bath? God. God. Okay, I, I want to thank my parents, particularly my dad, mm-hmm. because... Growing up has been a series of horrifying revelations of behaviors that people think apparently make you gay, like having water with ice in it. What? Or ordering dessert. That's so sad. I know, but it's stuff that keeps surfacing, and you're like, how do you go through life thinking like this? Or, I'm sorry, it's not ice, I think it's lemon, if you have lemon and water which i don't like lemon and water but i mean it's it's gross it it is gross and i don't get why restaurants do it they do it to hide how gross their tap water is Mm. making it extra gross but like there are all of these toxic masculine behaviors which i'm i'm sure i have some because you know society but i feel like i missed out on a lot because of the way my parents were so thank you parents (laughs) but yeah, there's a lot of weird gender stuff, especially in this episode where Prue becomes a dude, because I feel like the show is turning on Shannon Doherty at this point. I think we've started to hit the point where Shannon Doherty is being turned on by the show. Mm. I mean, we're not quite at the, she's a dog, she's invisible. Um, she doesn't get any plots at all in season three. I... It's funny you said that there was no gay panic in this episode, and I just want to point out- I think out, I said minimal gay panic. Well, I want to point out that the reason there's so little gay panic is because I don't think gay people exist in this universe, because as soon as Prue gets turned into a man, she becomes sexually attracted to women. That's true. Well, she's not only sexually attracted to women, we should- Wait until we get into the episode to talk about it. But she's not only sexually attracted to women, she suddenly knows how to repair things and is really into cars. Oh my god. Oh, let's, 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 let's get into it. All right. So the episode opens with, this is just going to be a thing, huh? Like, they're really leaning into the whole, this is, this, this is just cross promotion now. Oh my god, Piper, I can't believe you got the cranberries to play at your club. I'm, I'm surprised the cranberries decided to come play at this club after what happened with Dishwalla, the greatest band ever. Well, at least the cranberries aren't part of the plot. It's just a thing that's happening in the background. The cranberries are going to come play at Piper's club this, this weekend at P3. I hope no demons interfere with the cranberries coming to play at my club. I hope that they play one of their popular but not iconically popular songs. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I guess there's a heat wave in San Francisco right now. If you want to see sweaty Alyssa Milano, this is the episode for you. 
My goodness, yes. So the heat wave is especially affecting Alyssa Milano, who is just covered with a thin film of sweat this whole episode. She sure is. And Piper's like, should you, shouldn't you go to, like, the doctor? I mean, it seems like you're being hit with this a lot harder than everyone else. And, and, and Phoebe's like, no, I think it's a mystical thing. I'm aggressively on the ball. I'm pretty sure that this is a mystical thing. I mean, she's literally in heat. She's having these really intense sex dreams every single night that end with, uh... Her murdering the guy. Yeah. You know how all sex dreams end. Sure, sure. But yeah, she's having dreams where she has sex with guys and then shoots a prehensile tongue out of her mouth and drains the life force from them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gross. It's a perversion of the penetrative act. The The tongue comes out and it penetrates the men. Wow. Could write a whole sociology paper on this episode it's a freudian nightmare well i was gonna say nightmare but it's freudian daymare it's basic freud freud 101 speaking of speaking of france you know how's the song go again you know i know the song you but all all you want is uh all you want is a dingle uh all you want is just all you want is a dingle all you want is just is a schwang Something through which you can tinkle, or simply something something let hang. Yes, the Freud penis envy song from Friends, from the musical Freud, exclamation mark. Which, they're right about that, though. They're right that if a, uh, if a musical has an exclamation mark, that is a threat. <laughs> you know, um... Many, many years ago, my sister was in a stage musical version of It's a Wonderful Life called Wonderful Life! Exclamation mark. Did the aphorism hold true? Yeah, yeah, I think it kind of did. Huh. Anyway, Prue comes into P3 and she has just... The worst hair ever. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's like fake cornrows. Mm. Yeah. She has uh, just come back from her third date with this guy, and even though she was clearly giving him the signal that she wanted to bone down, he told her that he was not interested and didn't bone down. Yeah, he, despite her uh, giving him the green lights and guiding guiding him onto her landing strip, oh. uh, he, uh, he decided to circle the airport. I don't know. I don't know what the... I lost control of this metaphor immediately. Uh, she wanted to have sex, but he didn't want to. So she assumes that he's not into her and not just he didn't feel like having sex that night. Yeah. I mean, sometimes guys don't want to have sex, which is another thing that makes you gay, by the way, according to society. If you're not horny all of the time, then. Toxic masculinity is a hell of a drug. So, her sisters commiserate with Prue, and then we cut to somebody who might be Phoebe having a sexy sex time with some eyebrow dude. Well, I mean, we see that Phoebe's asleep in bed. This is this is Phoebe's sex stream. It's all red-tinted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's way into her. He tells her that she is irresistible. Yeah, she's, she's like, 
tell me you love me. Tell me I'm the most beautiful thing on earth. And he's like, I love you. You're the most beautiful thing on earth. Even even if a like weird snake tongue popped out of you and came at me, I still think you were super hot. And she's like, snake tongue. Yeah, yeah, basically. My God, that dream that she said. Uh, neighbor Jenny conspicuously not in the opening credits. Uh, Phoebe's dream takes us to the opening credits where we see a lack of neighbor Jenny. I can't say this for sure, but I think that the last episode may have been the last episode she actually appears in. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, Neighbor Jenny is not in this episode. They do say to Neighbor Dan, tell Jenny we said hi! But no, she does not appear in this episode. Mm. She is Neighbor not appearing in this episode. So, at work, Prue is wearing a work-appropriate outfit. What the hell? I know, she's wearing, like, a long sleeve shirt and skirt. I... It's wild. Yeah. So, also... This has to be a filler song that plays over the opening credits. I don't know. I didn't look it up, but in the past when I've looked up to see if a song was a filler song, it has turned out to not be a filler song. It could just be a really bad song, I guess. I do like that they're incorporating more of Buckland's into this. I mean, they they only have, like, the one hallway that has stuff in it, but it does make it feel more like Buckland's is more than just her office yeah, well, okay, so honestly, though, they're in a hallway that's full of art, like it's a museum. Mm-hmm. I've never been to an auction house, but shouldn't there be nothing there? They run auctions. It's not a museum. Yeah, I'd imagine it would mostly be, like, auction spaces and storage spaces. Right, unless the stuff is, like, because we see people who are there. Maybe this is stuff that's going to be auctioned off. Maybe it's available for viewing prior to the auction. Mm. I'm not sure. But the guy that Prue had her disastrous date with is there. He has strong that guy vibes. He's sort of like if Bruce Campbell and Kyle MacLachlan had a baby. I think he's like Bruce Campbell and that guy who plays Jonah on Superstore. Or, uh, or maybe, maybe, uh, like chris noth but like from a from like a a a 99 cent store okay yeah i could see that but he's like he's like mr big right yeah yeah but he's like chris noth like turned down like he's got kind of like a ruggedness it's like if 90s pretty boy was turned up and like ruggedness was turned down but like you were using the chris noth template I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm going to stick with a combination of Chris Noth and um, Kyle MacLachlan. I feel like that is the vibe this guy has. I was really surprised he's not really been in anything else, except... Except... Are we holding on uh, for premonitions for that, or should we just do it here? Uh, go ahead. All right, so this guy, he's mostly been in soaps, but he also appears in season eight of Charmed as, like bus driver or delivery guy or something it's so weird it's so weird that they i i mean i get it he's probably like a utility guy you know he was just on the lot or whatever and they're like hey you want a line and we'll buy you lunch or whatever but i don't know it feels really offensive that he was prue's boyfriend and then got demoted to like guy in the background yeah he was a one episode boyfriend of prue's which I guess she only has, like, one multiple-episode boyfriend left, and it's Betty Cooper's dad. 
But Still, this seems kind of... It, it is a downgrade. Anyway, Prue's like, did I offend you? Is there a reason that you didn't bang me? And he's like, no, everything's fine. And then leaves so that... He says, I'll call you. And then he leaves. Which... Oh, yes. Prior to this scene, Prue and Piper had discussed how the phrase, I'll call you, is the kiss of death. Because it means I won't call you. Not to keep going to the friends well, but uh, it's like my favorite Phoebe quote from Friends. We should see other people as code for ha ha, I already am. But I don't know. I don't think I, ca- I don't think I'll, I'll call you is really a kiss of death thing. We should get coffee sometime. Yeah, I mean. Well, we should get coffee sometime is a sincere thing that no one follows up on, though. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I. Do you think I'll call you sometime as a kiss of death? I don't think people say that anymore. No one's ever going to call anyone. Yeah, no. I mean, unless you're a monster, of course you're not going to call someone. You text like a normal person. Like, if you get a phone call, it means something is horribly wrong. Right, exactly. But this is the 90s. Probably still, it's probably still the 90s. This is the 90s when, you know, that was basically how you could communicate. This is, you you didn't have options. I mean, you could do email if you were, you know, some sort of cyber superstar like Meg Ryan in that movie about how big business is good, actually. You've got mail? How, I, I can't imagine that movie's aged great. I mean, I didn't think it was great when it came out, so. Isn't it romantic how he crushed her family's bookstore? What's funny is his bookstore is probably out of business now. Oh, no, it definitely is. Because it was, it, I mean, it was Barnes & Noble. Right. Like, and that's, I mean, they're they're basically dead in the water, right? I mean, there are still Barnes & Nobles around, but yeah, it's not the same. So Daryl has come to talk to Prue about mysterious deaths because as discussed last episode he doesn't know what the hollowell sisters deal is but he knows that they helped andy solve weird cases and now that andy's dead he's like you know what i don't care about you know arrests i just want these murders to stop so i'm going to go to the people who make murders stop even if it's not you know productive for me career-wise although theoretically he got credit for saving all of those kidnapped girls the band uh, dishwalla the most famous band ever's uh band manager was feeding to those that demon who the wall demon the wall demon who didn't like digest them he just kept them in his body mass and fed off their pain i wonder if there were like girls who had been missing for like decades well probably not decades but possibly years yeah. I really feel like that guy did not end up seeing jail time for that. It seems like it would be very hard to prosecute. Yeah, I, I he has no evidence. And the girl's memories were all erased. So, yeah. Oh, I want to point out, Daryl and Prue are walking down the hallway, and when they get to her office, Daryl very conspicuously opens the door for her. And she's like, oh, it's nice to see that there is still some gentlemen left. So he shows her the picture of all of the guys who have 
been killed in the last four nights, and he tells her that they've all been drained of testosterone. Okay. Did you see the uh, door-opening discourse on Twitter? No. What was the door-opening discourse? Uh, well, it was someone who was like, uh, if a man opens a door for a woman, then it's a clear sign that he doesn't respect her independence, and it's like the rudest thing you can do. And then people were like... Okay, but that's just someone trolling. One would hope, although I I think the person who wrote it was a turf, so God knows what... But... <sighs> there was a whole thing where I was like, I, I, I clicked on it, I knew I shouldn't, but mm-hmm. I clicked on it because I'm like, okay, there has to be reasonable discourse here because this is such an outlandish thing that's been shared across. And it was a bunch of right-wing people who are like see this is where feminism gets you and i'm like i know this was dead bird do not eat i know it was dead bird do not eat but i had to look anyway well it's part of what's so frustrating that we're going to talk about when we get to the part later where prue's having the discussion with alan it it just makes me so angry i i kind of want to save up that anger until we get to it okay so all of these men have been drained of their testosterone to death, which I guess is a thing that can sure, happen. Sure, why not? And it turns out they were all using the same dating service. The same video dating service, which, I'm sorry, was that still a thing in the, like, late 90s? Okay, I don't think video dating... I'm going to go on record here and say this, and if I'm wrong, people can correct me, but I don't think video dating was ever a thing. I think when VCRs came out and people were like, ooh, what can we do with VCRs? A couple of people were like, ooh, video dating. And they made tapes and those tapes got passed around and they were comically bad. And that's it. I don't think it was ever a widespread thing that like lots and lots of people did. So you're telling me that Honey, You've Got a Big Storm Coming isn't actually from a series of very popular dating videos? Well, okay, no, no. I think that there were real videos. Yeah. I think they were really made. And I think there were probably, like, three or four of them. And that that's it. I don't think that they were ever... That they ever caught on. I don't think video dating as a concept ever caught on. So I think if you've seen all of the ones that are on the internet, you've probably seen 90% of the ones that were ever made. That's I, my theory. I think there was probably, like... I don't think it was ever, like, a really widespread thing, but I'm willing to bet it was enough of a thing so that there was probably, I don't know, at least 40 of them out there. It had to be big enough of a thing. Although, I don't know, maybe it was, like, uh, you know, oh, no, kids are eating Tide Pods. Maybe it was like that where, you know, maybe, yeah. it, maybe it was never a thing. But Like rainbow parties. Oh, God, rainbow parties. How would that even work? It doesn't. Like, that's one of those things that's flawed from its conception. Like, it's one of those things that people who don't actually know what sex is come up with as like a... Yeah, that's... Yes. So, back at the manor, Phoebe is very concerned about her dreams. Also, sweaty. So sweaty, y'all! She's so sweaty! She uh, has a pitcher of iced tea that she's you know, rubbing against herself, and she's like, oh, God, Piper, 
I had another sexy sex murder dream, Piper. And Piper's like, I think you should go to a doctor because you look pretty unwell. And Phoebe's like, no, it's a magic thing. I'm killing guys magically with my magic sex tongue in my sleep. And Piper's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Give me my iced tea back. <laughs> she won't go see a doctor because she's like, a doctor can't cure the heat inside me. Anyway. Oh my god. It, I was going to say, is this a Chuck Tingle book? But I mean. Chuck Tingle books are so much better than this. Oh, oh, is, is this an Addison Kane book? Yes, there you go. Anyway, Prue shows up with the file that Daryl gave her, and when Phoebe looks at it, she realizes that the pictures are the guys she's been killing. Uh-oh. Yep. So, Prue immediately jumps to the correct conclusion, and I feel like this needed more following up in the episode, but... Prue's like, maybe you're psychically connected to the demon and that's why you're having these dreams of its kills. And Phoebe's like, or I am the demon. And Prue's like, I think, I think my thing is the more likely thing. Can you uh, can you grow a giant tongue that sucks out men's testosterone? And Phoebe's like, mm, mm. you can't see it uh, because not a visual medium, but I'm, I'm, you know. Trying to grow a giant tongue? Okay, that's disturbing. Well, that's what the actress had to do before they, uh, you know. CGI'd the giant tongue? Yeah. Yeah. It must have been so hard not to laugh during that. Or whenever Dargo uses his knockout tongue in a... In Farscape. He probably just opens his mouth and then... Yeah, I don't think he sticks out his actual tongue. (sighs) Well, I mean, he has all that makeup on, so... Okay, I want to bring something up. Mm Mm-hmm. As you said, Prue jumps to the right conclusion, and we know that Phoebe is, in fact, psychically connected to the demon. For some reason. Sure, why not, though? Um, there's no magic in this episode. Go on. No, I mean, unless you count the psychic connection with the demon, there's no ma- Oh, well, and the spell. Yeah. And, and the spell that turns- <laughs> The spell that turns Prue into a dude. Yes, and the spell that turns Prue into a dude. But they don't they don't vanquish the demon with a spell. That's and, true. Pru- and none of them use their powers because the dreams aren't premonitions. And the one time that Prue tries to use her power, it doesn't work. I guess uh, Piper does freeze once. But other than that, there's very little magic in this episode. Okay, I'm stuck because I do genuinely like it in Charmed when they vanquish the demons without using power of three spells i yeah i'm not bringing this up as a complaint i just thought it was interesting how little magic is in this episode what is this the last season of the 90s sabrina show seriously by the end of sabrina they were like they didn't even want to be the teenage witch it was just like sabrina the girl who works for fake spin magazine sabrina the girl who has two roommates anyway they send phoebe to the dating service to uh okay if video dating existed which we're we're iffy about although we will be more than happy to be proven wrong but if it did exist i don't think they had buildings like this just like buildings with giant video dating service posters on the side of the well if they existed they would have had to have big buildings like that because everybody didn't have a film studio in their phone you would have had to go to a place that had a camcorder and like have someone film you i kind of assumed it would be uh, above a laundromat situation oh okay well that's yeah, that might be the case. So Phoebe and 
crew show up at the video dating place and Daryl and his new partner are staking out the video place. Daryl and his super creepy new partner. Well, because see, all men are creeps. So this guy is like snapping pictures and he's like, wow, look at how big those girls' boobs are. This is why I became a cop, to take pictures of ladies' boobs without them seeing me. And Daryl's like, God, I hope you're my... I hope you die just like my other partners. Wow. He, well, he, he he's like, look, we're, let's just finish this case and then I'm going to try to get you reassigned. And the guy's like, boobs! <laughs> Inside the video dating place, Prue and Piper get approached by this... Blonde woman named Darla. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah. We've been going over Angel again, and this woman is no Julie Benz. No, she is not. Although, she is very obviously the... She's obviously the succubus. She's uh, wearing a very low-cut shirt, and she, like, leans over, and she's like, what are you doing here at our video dating service? And Prue's like, what do you think we're doing here? Why does anyone come to a video dating service? And the woman's like, you must be so lonely. I can tell by looking into your sad, lonely eyes how lonely you are. I bet you were crying before you got in here, you sad, lonely, lonely woman. She talks to Prue the way tabloid reporters talk to Jennifer Aniston. Yes, which, I, I know she's a demon succubus who's only running this place so that she can, like, find men to suck dry of their testosterone. Well, here's the thing. She's not running the place. She's, like, the office manager. She's so lucky someone else opened this place up. She's lucky she hasn't been fired. Is this how she talks to all women who come in here? Oh, also, we find out that the cost to join this video dating place is $3,500. That's $3,500 in 1999 money. That's like a billion dollars now. That's like serious money. Yeah, but can you put a price on love? Apparently you can, (laughs) and it's $3,500. Jeez, they're going to have to take out another mortgage on their house. Right? Oh. So Phoebe's just wandering around while, you know, the woman is nagging Prue. And she bumps into a guy who I swear to God I thought was neighbor Dan for a bit, but... Well, he's a different, generically handsome 90s guy. But, uh, he's dropping off his own, uh, he just signed up and he's, he's, you know, he doesn't normally go for stuff like this, but he thought he'd give it a try and it's like... $3,500. I was gonna say, hey, he's generically attractive and... You know that he has $3,500 to just spend on this, so... Yeah, so Phoebe shakes his hand and has a premonition of him getting the testosterone sucked out of him. Yep. And she's like, I saw it from the killer's point of view. Oh, you know what? I said she doesn't have any premonitions. I guess that was wrong. I guess she does have that premonition. Yes. Yes. So, yes, she has the premonition of this guy whose name is Owen getting demon sucked. So... We cut back to the woman who's handing Prue, like, she's she's signed up officially now. I guess they're just going to cancel the charges on the credit card later or whatever. Well, they did make sure to tell us that there's a money-back guarantee. But she's like, um, here you go, and 
don't worry, we'll find you a man so you won't die desperate and alone, you lonely, lonely woman. Prue's, like, trying to defend herself. She's like, I don't have man troubles. And I'm like, look, Prue, I know that you're staking this out for a case, but from her point of view, you just spent $3,500 on a dating service. That sounds like man troubles to me. Yes. Like... What do you care what this woman thinks? Well, that too. Like, you're you're literally just here so you can find someone who's killing dudes. Hey, do you remember that construction worker Diet Coke commercial? I do. It was a, uh, was a turning point in gender relations when we realized that men can also be sexualized. Did you know that women could be horny too? So, back at the manor, Piper is watching neighbor Dan wash his car and reenact that commercial out the window. So, I guess current CW kind of ruins stuff like this for me. Because mm-hmm. when we were, we just finished a Buffy rewatch, and you, you talked about how, uh, how the Marvel movies kind of shifted the Overton window for what attractive shirtless guys look like because Riley had his shirt off all the time and I remembered him being really ripped and he's not really, he's fine. Yeah. But I think the CW also had a hand in it because I was like, if this was Riverdale, he would have his shirt off. If this was any current CW show, he would have his shirt off. And so Piper's just drooling over a guy in jeans and a t-shirt washing a car. The, The bar was so low back then. I mean, he does look good. Yeah, he looks fine. He looks attractive. But, like, the bar was low for female gay stuff. Because it's just a guy standing next to a car. He looks pretty good to me. I I think that overly muscled thing is much more of, much more for guys than for women. I can see. Although, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going by the very very much popularity of stuff like supernatural or teen wolf that's all very muscly shirtless guys or lithe shirtless guys Mm -hmm. uh you know having loud shirtless conversations right in each other's faces (laughs) yes yes so piper did manage to look at the book shadows before she got distracted by neighbor dan And she's found the monster of the week. Yes. Okay, so apparently when a witch gives up on love and makes a pact with darkness, she becomes a succubus. Okay, so I'm glad that they added that second part because the sisters give up on love kind of a lot. And if that led you right down, you know, the succubus path, it would just be succubus as the show. Immediately. This is so offensive. A succubus is a woman who can't find love, so now she has to, like, suck validation literally out of men. Like, the whole thing is she can't just devour men. She has to find men and make them tell her that she's pretty, and then she, like sucks that out of them and it makes her feel better that's so (laughs) offensive it is max i I don't know if you know this but there's nothing scarier than a single woman who can't find a man (laughs) well yeah remember remember how phoebe was worried about piper because she decided not to date anyone for a little while after leo left and she's like 
my god, this is the worst thing that could have happened to Piper, which I guess it is, because if if she didn't immediately start making goo-goo eyes at neighbor Dan, then she'd become a, I don't know, monster lady who needs to suck testosterone from guys who are complimenting her. I mean, Phoebe even says, she's like, oh man, I gave up on love, and Prue's like, yeah, but you didn't make a pact with darkness and turn into a demon that sucks testosterone out of men, so... Did Take she, it down a notch. Did she give up on love? I mean, she hasn't really had a solid love interest, but it I, seems like she's pretty open to love. Yeah, Phoebe's going to have a weird story for the rest of the show, right? About trying and failing to find love. Oh, God, it's going to become interminable later. You know, oh, you know, I forgot how to love myself, and that's why I couldn't love anyone else. And Maybe the reason you can't love people is because... Well, I don't want to give a spoiler for how terribly she does treat the... Men in her life? Yeah. (laughs) Cole. Oh my god. I mean... But, but, not just Cole. It's such a running thing with her character later. I mean, I was thinking of Cole. I was thinking... I mean, Cole is the main person you think of. But, at least with Cole, you can be like, Well, sometimes Cole kills people, and... You know, okay, maybe you don't want to be in a relationship with Cole. Although, you do. He's the most charismatic actor that's ever on this show. And did Julian McMahon stop acting, or...? No, he kept acting. Oh. Because I knew he was in Nip Tuck after this, and then I thought the Fantastic Four movies sent him running back to New Zealand. Oh, well, I was thinking of all of that as being relatively recent. I mean, Nip Tuck was a, like, 2000 show. Well, I mean, if you... Well, now I have to look. So he's from Australia, not New Zealand. Yes, I'm sorry. Isn't his dad, like, a prime minister or something? I know that he his, like, his dad's, like, a political figure of some kind. He does appear to be landed gentry. Mm. Lord Julian McMahon. <laughs> God. That must be... I was going to say that must be bizarre, but I guess that's a thing, you know? I mean, I guess if you, you know, if it's your thing... Just imagine watching the president's kid or whatever in a CW show shirtlessly yelling at someone. He was on Runaways. Oh, right. He was one of the dads in Runaways. I thought it was James Marsters. No, no. It was Julian McMahon. Oh. We should finish that someday. I don't know. We got three episodes in. It started so slowly. I know it's supposed to get better later, but... As you tweeted, they're not called the stay-at-homers. Yeah, we got three episodes in and they hadn't run away yet. I mean, to put it in context, how long is a comic book? Like 20 pages? Like a monthly? We were three episodes in and they weren't any further along than the first issue of the comic. They hadn't reached the end of the first issue of the comic and it was three episodes in. (sighs) I guess it was a slow burn. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a shot. There, there's a lot of stuff out there I've been meaning to watch. Honestly, this is something I've been thinking about a lot, but with the world right now, mm-hmm. it's been really hard for me to get into new stuff. Like, I've been taking a lot of comfort in watching old things. I've probably watched The Office a million times just to be a cliche. And, I mean, Charmed and Farscape for me are both comfort watches as terrible as they are sometimes sometimes they're great but Mm. they're comfort watches 
And uh, as you mentioned earlier, we've been rewatching Buffy and Angel again, a comfort watch. Yeah, I, I've been cycling through The Simpsons. I'm deep in the bad seasons now, mm-hmm. but just because it's, I mean, honestly, it's because it's white noise. It's well. Also, I, I was reading online an article about how when you're feeling anxious, rewatching a show, a comfort show, even something like Buffy that has upsetting episodes because you know it so well, like knowing the beats of it is itself comforting. Mm. So, so the Book of Shadows not only explains what a succubus is, it explains how to kill it. That there's a spell that draws the succubus to you and then sets it on fire. Yes, a spell to attract it and kill it with fire. And and Phoebe's like, no, I, I, I don't want to catch on fire if I'm the succubus, which I totally am. And Piper's like, look, we'll just cast the spell. And then if it looks like you're heading towards a fiery death, I'll freeze you and we'll throw water on you or whatever. It'll, it'll be fine. So, Prue gets set up. Okay. She gets set up in a circle that has a dude symbol hanging off I was gonna say, can we talk about what the circle looks like? Yeah, they drew a chalk circle on the ground, and did nobody notice that the circle they drew was the Mars symbol? I mean, this is where basic literacy would come in handy. I feel like Phoebe should have known this because she's the one who kind of looks at that kind of thing. Yeah, Phoebe's the one who does her witch homework. But Prue casts the spell. She's encircled in flame, which Phoebe is not attracted to. So I guess she's, you know, (laughs) she's not the succubus after all. But uh uh-oh, Prue's a dude now. Okay, First of all, okay. 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 I, I don't even, I, I, there's so much to unpack here. Um, should we, let's start with the voice. The voice? Okay. Okay. I, got, I, tu- I kind of turned around on this a little bit, not the voice, but at first I was like, they should have just cast a different actor. No, no, it had to be Shannon Doherty still, because she's the star. You know what they should have done? Not done this episode. Not done this episode. Because to make her sound more manly, they've artificially deepened her voice, but instead she just sounds like someone's badly auto-tuning everything she says. It sounds like she's speaking through a vocoder, which I guess she probably is. I assume they did it in post. No, no, I mean in post they probably ran it through. Yeah, but it sounds so bad and so artificial and... You know what, we're, we're, I mean, we're not, but we're buying that people think that Shannon Doherty is a man. Okay, well, first of all, she just looks like... She looks like Shannon Doherty with a Sharpie mustache. A goatee. And goatee, yes. A Sharpie goatee. Here's the thing, facial hair will do a lot for you. So I will buy that people see her as a very, very pretty man because she does have a goatee. I mean, good facial hair does this. Again, it looks like it's drawn on. They couldn't get actual fake facial hair to put on. I think it is actually fake hair. I don't know. When did the Charlie's Angels movie come out? Uh, right around here, actually. Yeah, because yeah, they had, like, when they had Drew Barrymore and um, Cameron Diaz in beards, you know, 
to pretending to be Lucy Liu's, you know, Lucy Liu was the dominatrix business lady and that they were her male assistant. Yeah. Like, they had convincing fake facial hair. I I actually don't have the same problem you do with the facial hair. I think the facial hair is fine. It looks like it was drawn on with an eyeliner pencil. I think the reason it looks fake is because they haven't done anything to the rest of her features, and her features are still highly feminine. And in fact, she's still wearing feminine makeup. I mean, she's still wearing, like, eyeliner and stuff, which I guess makes sense because the spell just changed, just switched around her gender. It didn't get rid of her makeup or change her clothes it cut her hair you're right it did cut her hair so it should have done all of those other things but can, okay but it's like, a little weird here but i want to talk about her body for a second all right okay so we see her from the back first so we can see that she's like hulked out of her shirt her shirt is all ripped because she has grown like broad shoulders and a masculine body mm. But she hasn't. Instead, they're dressing Shannon Doherty in, like, talking head-style suits that are way too big for her that make her head look teeny tiny. I mean, I know you're fighting against a lot here, but, you know, you could just dress her like a slimmer man. Slim men exist. And... It feels like there's a lot of makeup stuff you could have done to make her jaw look more square or like i feel like there's a lot of things they could have done to i mean they should have just not done this episode in the first place but if you're going to do this episode there are things you can do to make her look more masculine which they didn't because i'm sure shannon doherty was not into them making her look like a dude well, according to the trivia for this episode on the wiki... Oh, okay. Yes. Shannon Doherty actually brought in a picture of her then-boyfriend and was like, um, here's a picture so you can do me up like this. Which seems like a weird choice to me. Like, hi, I want to emphasize how much I look like the guy I'm in a romantic relationship with? Maybe it's a Jenna Maroney Paula asked name thing. Maybe. But, like... But, okay. The thing is, you could do it with... I mean, she's not doing a convincing job of it, obviously, but if you... She has a kind of Skeet Ulrich, um, Eric Balfour thing going on. If they had just kind of leaned into that, then this would have worked a lot better. Like, you... Don't make her this... There are slim men out there you could have patterned her after. Okay, so here's the thing about the episode. Here's the thing that makes it transphobic, even though there's really no blatantly transphobic things. Mm-hmm. We're we're falling into the trap right now of talking about, like, what a man looks like now. Yes. Which, we're talking about, like, what stereotypical things they're doing to her to make her look masculine. And that's just not representative of the range of human gender yes and secondly the idea that the very idea that her shoulders are broad and now she has a penis therefore she is now a man is itself transphobic especially because somehow doing this magically does in fact 
turn her into a man. She has man and, brain. She knows how to fix things. Right. And now we're talking about like, and, and now we're talking about the gender essentialism of like what a man brain is. A man brain is a brain that cares more about fixing trucks than doing makeup. Like what? What? I hate this episode. I hate what this episode is doing to me. So Prue locks herself. We're going to keep using female pronouns for Prue because... Because Prue is a woman. It's the fact that... The fact that she cast a spell that cut her hair didn't magically make her not a... Magically, I guess it did... I guess it literally magically made her not a woman, but you know what I mean. It, all it did was cut her hair and give her a dong. She's still a woman. Yes. Until the man brain kicks in and suddenly she's all about cars and beer episode <laughs> but she has locked herself in the bathroom because she doesn't want to go out in public and yeah because she's having intense dysphoria as you would expect and phoebe's like hey do you think she's jerking it yes. okay 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 here's the thing phoebe that's your sister that's still your sister Okay, you 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 talked about how thankfully there's very little gay panic in this episode, but for me there's an uncomfortable amount of talking about Prue like sexually now that she is in a male body. She's still your sister. Uh, okay, so the thing is, the thing is I know it's later Mm-hmm. And I know that it's Paige, who did not grow up with the other sisters. But pa- I remember Paige making a joke about Phoebe, if she doesn't get a boyfriend soon, she's going to wear out the batteries. So this isn't an unheard of thing in Charmed later. I guess. I mean, I guess it's different, but I don't know. I don't have a sibling. I can't imagine I would casually talk about masturbation to my sibling had I had one, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I Okay, so Prue comes out of the bathroom and she's like, "I'm not touching myself. I'm just I'm 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 just not going to leave the house until we figure out how to reverse the spell." Um, can we talk about the hand waving about where Prue's clothes came from? Oh, the ex-boyfriend box. What? Is is, is that not a thing? You you didn't have any uh, ex-boyfriends uh pants or shirts or whatever that got left at your house i have one jacket from an ex-boyfriend that corduroy one you wear sometimes it's a good jacket it is that's it that's it she's got a full-on outfit she's got like a big v-neck sweater and an undershirt and jeans what guy left jeans behind at her place oh maybe it was um one of those guys that Phoebe and Sor sold in that episode where she uh, cast the spell to have sex with lots of people. No, I thought maybe it was Jeremy because he's dead now, so maybe they have all his stuff. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. Or Andy. Oh. Actually, it wow. might be a dead boyfriend box. That's getting dark. Okay, moving on. I mean, I'm pretty sure I have at least a couple articles of clothing from exes. I mean, okay, it's not that, it's not weird to have one or two things from an ex. She's, she's got a whole outfit thrown together, though. That's... Well, this this was the thing in Friends, too, wasn't it? I, I kind of remember 
them having an ex-boyfriend box. Although that wasn't that wasn't necessarily clothes. That was a bunch of other stuff. Remember, uh, they had the boyfriend bonfire. Yeah, but that was they were burning like pictures and stuff. Like, and maybe some a couple of mementos. It wasn't like. Oh, and Rachel had that box that she had to get back to Ross. Yeah, and she gave it back to him when they broke up. Yeah, because he threw a giant temper tantrum about it. <laughs> what was it, like a color me bad shirt or something? Frankie says relax. Frankie says relax. You know, David Schwimmer was actually pretty ripped. Yeah, well, he probably didn't drink any water the day that he knew he had to be shirtless and wear that Frankie says relax shirt. But I mean, in the tanning episode, too, you're like, huh, David Schwimmer's actually pretty ripped. Yeah, yeah I guess he is. I mean, I guess it, you, you'd have to do it just for the confidence because... I have to imagine being the ugly one on Friends sort of takes its toll on you after oh. a while. Poor David Schwimmer. He is handsome in an ugly sort of way. <laughs> Dimitri Martin talked about uh, being called in uh, because he was David Schwimmer ugly. His agent called him for all of the uh, people who were looking for David Schwimmer ugly for stuff. Wow. Yeah, that would, that would start to rankle you, I would think. Although... I was listening to the Office Ladies podcast, mm-hmm. and they're up to the Women Appreciation episode. So the Office Lady podcast, uh, if our listeners don't know, is a podcast that Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey do about the office. Mm-hmm. And in the Women Appreciation episode, Michael has that line where he talks about how the media portrays women as these like untouchable goddesses, but look around, women aren't like that. Even the pretty ones aren't that hot. <laughs> God. And someone asked Jenna Fisher if it felt weird when they said lines like that to her when she was supposed to be, you know, when there were lines at the expense of her looks. And she was like, oh, no, it doesn't even affect me. So. Yeah. But, I mean, she she's Jenna Fisher. She, she's already. Like, she's, she's a gorgeous woman. Yeah. So that's probably helps. Maybe not. Probably, but maybe not. Well, I did notice that she, in the later seasons, uh, they were glamming her up quite a bit. Because in the earlier seasons, I remember her talking about how she only gave Pam as much time as she ha- would have to get ready in the morning to get ready. Mm-hmm. And then in later seasons, she's got like fancy hair all the time and her makeup's are, you know, is really well done. But that was supposed to be a thing that before she was with Jim, she kind of didn't do her hair. But then once she was in a relationship and she was happy, it was supposed to show her like... Yeah, and then she was a mom with two kids, and she still had time to do that. Okay, no, actually, in the seasons where she has the kids, it kind of does go back. Jenna Fisher does pay attention to that. All right. You've been watching The Office a lot more closely than I have. I've been watching a lot of The Office. (laughs) So Prue is very upset about the fact that she has a dong now, and they're like, don't worry. Uh, I'm sure as soon as we kill the succubus, you'll go back to not having a dong. So, also, Phoebe and Piper are trying to coach her on how to act like a man? Because... Why are they an authority on that? No clue. But in order to turn Prue back to Prue, uh, she has to be attractive enough to attract the succubus and then call her ugly, thereby killing her. And... You know, to attract, in order to attract her, she has to be the manliest man ever. So, 
you know, they're giving her lessons on how to man walk and they're like, just walk across the room and she kind of sashays, which is not something I don't, it's not something I really associate with Shannon Doherty. I'm like, if Shannon Doherty just walked the way she normally walked, I guess she walks like a man if we're gendering walks now. Well, and then they like make fun of her walk. They're like, oh, are you trying to walk like Richard Simmons? So there's that weird homophobia. It's like toxic masculinity comes for you even when you are a woman disguised as a man to kill a succubus, I guess. So they tell her to model herself on the manliest man out there, Tom Hanks. Well, Tom Hanks because everyone loves Tom Hanks. That's true. He's one of the few guys out there who's still credible in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He's one of the very few actors of a certain age we haven't discovered anything horrible about yet. Oh, my God. Although, oh, my God, is that a Bosom Buddies reference? No, I, maybe. Maybe. Mm, yeah, probably. Because Tom Hanks was in a TV show about him and a friend who are both dudes want to live in an all-lady apartment because it's cheap or It's something. where they could afford to live, right? It's where they could afford to live. So it's him and Peter Scolari. So they dress in drag and to, in order to live in this apartment, and somehow this was a TV series. Buzz and Buddies! Okay, so... I'm going to go on a little divergence here, which what? I, I know it's unheard of, but and an idea not at all stolen from Bob's Burgers. I really want them to do a remake of Bosom Buddies called Bosom Bloodies about two human guys who pretend to be vampires to live in a very cheap all vampire apartment. Bob's Burgers came up with the name, but none, none of the rest of it. And I'm like, okay, I came up with this idea. If anyone is listening with power to make this into a TV show, at me, because I'm all in for this. It's the same premise, except way less offensive, except, I guess, to vampires, but, you know. But who cares about them? Yeah, screw vampires. Uh, no, th th this is how the horror movie begins. It's okay, vampires are all, like... Not listening to podcasts about Charmed. I was going to say they're all wealth-hoarding aristocrats. It's okay. Making fun of vampires is punching up. Yes, that is true. I wonder, would, they, would an all-vampire apartment be cheaper? You know what? I think it would be. I Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what we do in the shadows is about vampires who are in a flat share. Yeah. I liked the first season and the movie, but I didn't really feel the urge to watch beyond the first season. Okay, the second season is amazing. I, I know you told me that, so I didn't push it, but the second season is amazing. Oh my god, the finale of the second season was incredible. I saw someone online who pitched Matt Berry as Wolverine, and it's all I want now. Oh my <laughs> god. Charmed. So, the doorbell rings, and it's Neighbor Dan. Oh my god, it's Neighbor Dan. And he sees Prue, and he doesn't go immediately, Hey, Prue, you've got something on your face. And so he's like, Who's your friend who's definitely not Prue? And they're like, This is Manly Mannington. Yeah, they say his name is Manny. Manny Hanks. Okay. Uh, uh, 
why don't they just say he's their cousin? Right? Say that he's related to you so that it's okay that he looks like Prue. Yeah, because Dan's like, you look kind of familiar. And it's like, oh, is it because it's obviously Prue? And and Prue's like, oh, I'm like a brother to the Hollowells. And Dan's like... That doesn't explain why (laughs) you have a genetic resemblance. And that doesn't explain why Dan thinks he knows you. Just, yes, I'm... Uh, sorry i'm manny bennett i'm their cousin oh anyway back in the kitchen phoebe had another vision of the succubus so she realizes that she is in fact psychically connected to the succubus for some reason and she sees that the succubus has laid a bunch of eggs because apparently when you make a pact with the darkness it completely changes the way you reproduce so it gives you it gives you the tongue Uh uh-huh and suddenly you you have egg sacs Uh, but also if you have egg sacs then that implies that succubi come from eggs and not from witches who have given up on love and made a pact with darkness as the book previously stated also these egg sacs don't really come up again like they're supposed to give this sense of urgency or maybe explain why she's been killing so many men recently but the vision of the eggs was completely extraneous to everything else that happens in this episode yeah it's not like the mantis lady episode of buffy where it's it's, not teacher's pet it's not teacher's pet where it's like oh it's a stinger thing and I saw someone, uh, I read an article a few years back about Buffy plot holes and they listed the fact that they never dealt with the mantis eggs as one. And I'm like, it's not a plot hole. It's, it's just, it's, it's just a plot thread that didn't get picked up on again. Like the eggs hatched and the babies scuttled off somewhere and Buffy never saw them because she's one person who has a very limited schedule. Like, yeah, just, just because something isn't resolved doesn't make it a plot hole yeah in the hallway prue is trying to like copy neighbor dan's mannerisms mannerisms oh yeah and she starts pumping him for manformation about why men won't call back after the third date yeah she's like hey you know how sometimes you go on a third date with a girl and she's giving you all the signals that she wants to have sex and you just ditch her and dan's like no i would never do that because i am a good man and then the sisters you know come in to shepherd him out he's like by the way jenny says hi (laughs) neighbor jenny still exists she's fine so Okay, so did Manny Hanks take Prue's prepaid video thing, or did they put down more money for this? No, I think I think Manny Hanks took the Prue's spot. And I actually really like this bit. Really? No, I like the framing of it. Oh, okay. Um, I, I like the framing of it where we see for a moment just the video on the monitor being shot and it for a minute it has a much more naturalistic feel than charmed usually has Mm. and it 
in feeling so much more real than Charmed usually is, for a moment I believed that people would respond to Manny's tape. Okay. Manny's Manny's tape is basically just like, I like women who like themselves, and the sexiest thing a woman can have is self-respect. And the woman recording it who runs the agency, I guess, is like, Oh, God, that's so freaking hot. Okay, no, but here's the thing. Shannon Doherty has been directed to do this in a very, like, kind of subdued, straightforward, but also kind of nervous manner in a way that I think I I personally would find attractive in a video. You're right that the lines aren't great, but I actually think the direction right there is working for me. Meanwhile, in the lobby, Phoebe and Piper see that neighbor Dan has a video, and Phoebe has Piper freeze blonde lady so that she can, you know, grab the neighbor Dan video and they can see... What his deal is? Yeah. Okay, okay. So neighbor Dan also has $3,500 to throw around. He does not. He very specifically states in the video that his sister paid for this. Oh, I forgot that. Yes. So his sister apparently has that money lying around to drop on trying to get her brother laid. Okay. So Daryl and his new partner are still staking out Fine Romance. And they decide that they're going to go in because we've seen signs up that Fine Romance is having a mixer. So they're going to... They're going to go mix. Mm, To see if they can mix with the killer. Yes. And uh, also at this mixer is Owen, (gasps) who, remember, Phoebe has had the vision is going to be attacked by the succubus. And also Phoebe's super attracted to. So uh, she's going to go keep an eye on Owen. I mean, uh, Owen looks good in his suit. Yeah. You know what? Um, I'm going to say Owen looks better than neighbor Dan and put that out in the universe well he's wearing a suit i i feel like suits do men a lot of favors mm. so prue is uh talking to the woman who runs the service to try to find out when he'll start getting women hopefully who will want to sleep with him her i said i was going to use uh her pronouns but yeah you know whatever we're going to be going back and forth. Who cares? So, yeah. Prue also mentions that these videos are going to be up on the internet, so lots of people will be able to see them, and, you know, hopefully the succubus will see it. Prue doesn't mention that, but hopefully the succubus will be able to see it. So. I think there's YouTube channels where you can watch these now. There are. If you want to get real depressed. You know, I would like to think all of these people found love. Probably. I mean, if you put yourself out there like that, you're probably... I don't want to be mean. You probably have low enough standards so you ended up with someone. I was going to go the opposite way. I was going to say, you know what? There is a lid for every pot. There is a lid for every pot. As Wonderella said to the Beast in the uh, Wonderella strip that was a takeoff of Beauty and the Beast, the internet is a really big place. Exactly. And like, actually, you know, a lot of these people probably thrived in an environment where you can get to know someone. Online? Yeah. That's such a, like, negging comment. It it wasn't intentional. Let me rephrase that. Okay. I feel like the internet was useful for a lot of people who had trouble meeting people, you know, 
face-to-face, I feel like it creates a safer environment where you can sort of edit yourself and you don't have to really rely on just... I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. There's certain ways you present yourself out in the real world. There are rules to social engagement Mm -hmm. that limit people who aren't as socially quick on their feet. Okay. And I feel like the internet gives people a chance to meet other people who are more in line with their abilities to socially interact with one another in ways that it's kind of hard to do just out and about in the world. Okay, that makes sense. And I mean, the internet lets you be... Yourself or someone else. Yeah, but it lets you be yourself in a way that sometimes it's hard to do in person. And if you're not the kind of person who, like, goes to mixers, you can't really go out and be yourself and meet people. Because you were limited to where you could meet people. Yeah, I feel like the internet was really good for people who aren't necessarily the most socially adept to meet other people who aren't socially adept and create stronger relationships because they're not relying on a language that neither party is all that comfortable with. The internet was basically Cyrano for all of us. God. So you have some high hopes for, uh, you know, what's it called when all the machines become sentient? The singularity? Yeah, you have high hopes for the singularity if you think the internet's uh, Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergerac to our Dude who didn't have a long nose. I welcome our internet overlords. Well, it's more our internet overlords have a thing for us, so. (laughs) I guess we'd be the lady and not the dude with the. Sure. Roxanne. Yeah. Roxanne. Is it Roxanne in the original? No, I don't think so. I think it's just Roxanne in the movie Roxanne. Yeah. Roxanne. You don't have to put on a red light. Yes. Yeah. So... Piper goes into the video room so that she can watch Neighbor Dan's video. And y'all, you know what Neighbor Dan is looking for? The girl next door. The girl next door. Okay, to be fair, he's describing the kind of person Piper pretended to be when she cast her love spell in that episode. Where they cast the love spell, he's like, I want someone who can take long bike rides on the beach while the sun's setting with me and... You know, we'll get up early to throw newspapers at birds or whatever. Yeah. You know, in the park. In the park. Romantically, not like. Yes. And Piper's like, that's the person I pretend to be like. He also mentions that he wants a brunette. Yeah. He's like, I want the girl next door. Oh, and a brunette. Which seems, I don't know, hair color preferences. Well, I mean, he's obviously talking about Piper. He's like, someday she'll look over at me with that long, long brown, brown hair, hair. And she'll notice that I'm here and that if I, I was, love her. If I was neighbor Dan's sister, I would be pissed. She spent so much money for him to be like, hey, anyone who's not my neighbor, fuck you. Okay. You're not getting any of this neighbor Dan beefcake. My thing is, neighbor Dan is trying to create a oh my god, you were here the whole time and I couldn't see you narrative? But he's way too hot for that narrative. Also, he and Piper have been flirting pretty steadily since they met. Yeah. So, in another part of the uh, mixer, Phoebe and Owen are hitting it off. Yeah. I mean, 
she's kind of trying to keep him distracted so that he doesn't get eaten by the succubus, but also she's horny for him, which makes sense because she's psychically connected to the succubus. Also, And also he's hot. Also, he is very hot. So she's like, oh God, I can see through the succubus's eyes. I can see through its horny vision. Yeah, okay, so the camera keeps switching to this like red vision where she can see what the succubus is doing. So she's trying to like triangulate where the succubus is and she uh she pulls him over to the side of the room he's like what's going on and she's like look just stay in my line of sight i'm gonna have sex with you if you stay in my line of sight but don't go anywhere there's definitely not some monster that's trying to eat you and then this guy like interrupts her like She's she's running around the room trying to triangulate where... By this guy, do you mean Daryl's partner? Yes. Yes. She's trying to triangulate where the succubus is, and Daryl's partner blocks her so that she can't. And she, like, motions to Prue to be like, Hey, hey, do something. So Prue goes and, like, punches owen and then when the cop tries to stop her she punches the cop and then daryl's like whoa we better arrest this guy and also the guy who got sucker punched out of nowhere you're under arrest for getting punched in the face and then and then (laughs) i wish he had kept going and just punched everyone in the room then everyone gets arrested and no one gets their testosterone sucked out. And because then... it's 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 I I don't think it's supposed to be, funny, but it's super hilarious. And she punches the guy, and the cop comes, and she just punches him too, and he goes flying into a wall. He does go flying. It, it did make me wonder if she wasn't using her power a little bit behind the punch. Yeah. No, maybe she 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 has that man strength. Oh now. right, because she's a man now. Oh oh okay. Also, Although, to be fair. When Piper was, not Piper, when Phoebe was fighting the painting demon and she kicked him across the room. Oh, she, yeah. She didn't have super strength then. She was just really good at kicking. Oh, man. Okay, so Phoebe lets us know that after this display of manliness, the succubus is no longer attracted to Owen. She is now attracted to Prue. Was this episode written by Mystery? Right? The pickup artist? Yes. Who I only know from Dominic Noble reviewing his book. Oh, no, I remember I remember his VH1 show. Okay, but here's the thing that really bugs me. He had a VH1 show? Yeah, he had a, yeah, where he did, like, pickup artistry. But It was called, like, The Pickup Artist. But it doesn't work. What did they film? Or was it just guys failing at it and him critiquing them because, uh... Yeah, I think it was mostly that. Yeah, okay. Here's the thing that's super disturbing. Phoebe is now seeing and feeling through the eyes of the person who is sexually attracted to her sister. Yeah, someone's gonna need some therapy once this is over. No one is disturbed enough by this development. I would watch a show about a witch therapist. Like, a therapist who catered specifically to witches. I'm just pitching all over the place. (laughs) Because what they should have done for this episode is literally anything else. Anybody who works for the CW who listens to this podcast, come at me. I got ideas. (laughs) Uh, So at the police station, 
Phoebe and Piper are like, so you should let Manny go. And Daryl's like, all right, well, if you say I should let him go, I guess I'll let him go. But keep Owen in jail. Yeah, because somebody's trying to kill him, you should keep him in jail. That's definitely cool and okay. You're in jail for the crime of being punched by some guy. Oh my god. Okay, so... Back at the Hallowell Manor... Prue is becoming fully a man. She's repaired the issues with heating the hat. Like, she, she... She fixed the air conditioner. She fixed the air conditioner and she's opening bottles... She opens a pickle jar. God. Oh my god. Really? And she complains about how all she can think about now is sex. Because that's the thing. Guys think about sex all the time in a way that women just don't. Okay, have they not been watching this show? I know, it's a very horny show. Also, any... Any... Shouldn't... Sorry, go on. Any guys out there who, who need to know this? Women think about sex a lot, too. I mean, I assume at levels equal to the way men think about sex. Yeah. And which is to say it varies from person to person. Yeah. And lots of guys don't think about sex that often. So we're saying it varies person to person. Yeah. So. <sighs> so, Okay. Prue's love interest for the episode called and did ask her out. And she's like, oh, no, what did you? She Piper had picked up the phone and told love interest guy that Prue couldn't come to the phone because she was feeling hormonal. And Prue's like, oh, no, I guess men do actually ask you out when they say they're going to. Mm, It's barely a subplot, whatever. It's just an excuse for a really terrible conversation we're going to have later. Yeah. Anyway, Phoebe's fever is up to 102 now, which is really bad. Mm. So they really have to kill that succubus soon since Phoebe has a connection to it and she's going to, like, burn up from the inside, like in the musical episode of Buffy. Yes. Which, why is Phoebe the one person whose powers seem to consistently bite her in the ass? Well, I think it's interesting. We never really talk about why it is that Phoebe has a psychic connection to the succubus. It's never really explained. It just It's just accepted. It just is. Yeah. Also, weirdly, I just want to bring up that Phoebe is, like, chowing down on these pickles. Hmm. Uh, yes, I know where you're going with this, but you should. It's just a thing. So, chowing down on pickles is a thing that is associated with... Uh, Pregnant women mm-hmm. and trans women. And the reason is because a large amount of estrogen in your system makes you crave pickles. It's the salt or whatever. Um, so it's interesting that when she has this connection to the succubus, she is craving the salt the way she would if she was on, like, estradiol. Which is weird because, as we find out in a bit, the uh, succubus is inundated with testosterone because... Yeah, so it should not be doing that, but nonetheless it is. Hmm. So I don't really like the taste of pickles. And I was taking estradiol for a while for fertility treatments. Yes. So I w- obviously you know that. <laughs> um, and so I was really wondering if it was going to make me start craving pickles. And it never did. Because I don't like them. You didn't go for the uh, classic pickles and ice cream. 
Yeah, you know, it never it never overwhelmed my system enough to make me. It never overcame my my actual revulsion f- for pickles. I mean, you never super got cravings. I know you were really in the mood for crackers some, but I really craved peppermint more than anything, but that was oh, like Oh, I do to... remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that wasn't that wasn't when I was on the fertility treatments. That was when I was um when I was actually pregnant, I craved peppermint. Yeah. I don't know why that is. That's well, not a I thing. I was thinking pe- pregnancy craving. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I don't know why that was. I don't I don't I don't know why that. I've never heard of that as a thing, but I I craved peppermint. Well, I mean, it's really all over the map. I know the go-to thing is pickles and ice cream, but uh, you hear all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, the dating service called, and it turns out that Prue's video broke all of the records, and there are just thousands of women who are super horny for Prue and want to tear her to shreds in a some sort of sexual frenzy so prue has set up dates with all of them because any of them might be the succubus also prue real horny but y'all prue better not be starting anything in p3 tonight because the cranberries are gonna be there (laughs) thank you piper (sighs) and then prue's like it's okay i'll just find the succubus and nail her before uh any of this happens, and it's like, uh, why, what? I, they're talking about how Prue has lost control of her self-control because she's a dude now, and that's why she sucker-punched Owen, and how her, her man brain is controlling her, and they can't trust her to not have sex with all of these women. Well, okay, so she tells them that the reason she punched Owen is because her man instincts told her that that's what she should do. She should punch. And, and it made felt... her feel good. Yeah. And it's like, gross, Charmed. Gross. Gross. So, Phoebe and... So, Phoebe goes to the window to start checking out neighbor Dan and Prue's like, nice truck and they're like oh my god you are becoming a man which you had the one joke and it sucked the whole episode so why are you acting like this is a thing now like you haven't been hitting it all episode in general and specifically all this scene it's it's weird i i i don't understand what they the lot there's there's doesn't seem to be internal consistency with this spell it's just a bunch of really regressive gender ideas it's like a regressive gender ideas spell oh maybe that is literally what it, maybe grams wrote it oh there you go <laughs> maybe grams is like what makes a man a man uh, okay so now we're at p3 it's night prue is wearing I don't know what, I don't know what boyfriend from the 1970s left behind this giant lapeled blue shirt in the boyfriend pile. That is a really solid point. Grams probably has a dead husband box that they can rob for this sort of thing. It probably is. Weirdly, weirdly, some of those clothes might be Leo's. God. Oh, Oh, it's a nightmare. Also, uh, we see that 
Daryl and his partner are sitting outside of P3 for some reason, and the partner's like, uh, that guy who hit me must have been on steroids because he was so man-strong, and Daryl's like, God, I can't wait until this is over so I can get you reassigned. Also, we see in the club Prue check out another woman's butt because being a man makes you attracted to women. Hmm. Did you know that? I believe I have heard that somewhere, yes. Also, I have an MVP extra, which is a man with the shiniest shirt ever when they're panning down the bar. It's like silver. It is like silver. It's like an invisibility shirt. Yes. (laughs) When it's not on invisible mode. But Kyle McLaughlin guy sits down next to Prue and he's like, you look kind of familiar. And she's like, oh, I look like a lot of people. Hey, you ever really wanted to stick your dick in some lady? Okay, Prue says that she works at Buckland's, which I think is finally smart, because if he does recognize her, he'll be like, oh, I saw her around at Buckland's. I saw him around at Buckland's. Mm. And so Prue now can be like, yeah, I know Prue. And uh, tell me what the deal is with you and Prue and why you're being weird around her. Why won't you bone her? And he, oh. he, he has a speech about oh how my God. it's a confusing time to be a man because some women don't like it when you hold doors open for them, and some do, and he thinks that she's the good kind who does. And I know I was talking about that post earlier, uh-huh. but like, you hold, you hold doors open for everyone. It's how society works. But also, like, this is, this is a very Me Too backlash, except in 1999, where he's like... I mean, it's first round men's rights, right? Like the backlash to the feminine mystique or whatever. Yeah, he's like, oh, I just... you, I don't even know what women want nowadays. It's like, I, I'm afraid to even tell a woman I'm attracted to her because what if she takes it the wrong way? And it's like, dude, women are human beings. Just, just treat her like a human being. No, no. Men are wired one way, and women are wired another way, and uh, if you say the wrong thing, then you go to man jail forever. So, again, Phoebe is seeing through the succubus's eyes, and again, she's trying to triangulate where the succubus is. And she sees the succubus has honed in on Prue... And then she sees the woman from the dating service, not Darla. Not the blonde woman, which, dear Lord Phoebe, you should know by this point. Right? Blonde women, they're trouble. Or in trouble. They are trouble or in trouble. Yes. And so so she calls Prue and is like, hey, Prue, it's the one from the dating service. Get out into the alley and be ready to fight. Stop having this horrible conversation with this man who, in all fairness, she doesn't see again, so... She does see him again at the end of this episode. I mean, after this episode, we never see this man again. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Phoebe tries to head off the woman from the dating service. And as she does that, she sees Prue again through the succubus's eyes. So, oops, wrong woman. And she tells her that. She's like, oh, sorry, you're the wrong woman. (laughs) And in the alley, we see, oh, hey, it's... The blonde chick named Darla. That's that's the one who's the evil succubus. You know, it's the one who looks like a succubus. Yeah, right? And she's like, hey, Prue. I mean, Manny, you want me. You need me. Tell me I'm irresistible. And Prue's like, 
Yeah, I, I tapped that. And she's like, that's good enough. Blah, snake tongue. Yeah, uh, Piper comes out and freezes her, like, mid-snake tongue. And, uh, this is where we find out that Prue can't use her powers. While Prue is in this body, she can't use her powers, apparently. And... Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the cop, who's not Daryl, comes around the corner and tries to stop this woman, and she just throws him into the alley, you know, into the trash. (laughs) It's pretty funny. And so Daryl comes around the corner, and she starts to, like, stick her tongue out at him, like her snake snake tongue, tongue. and Daryl shoots her and is like, what is happening? Okay, how does Daryl not know after this? Right? Well, I mean, it's like Andy and the Wendigo, where, oh, I saw Wendigo, but I guess I still don't know about magic for some reason. Yeah, he doesn't want to know. Hmm. And Prue is still a man. So. Hmm. And there's still 15 minutes left in this episode. Like 10. Yeah, you're right. So. The coroner has finished the autopsy. And, uh, I don't know how he reached this conclusion. He's like, she's full of testosterone, she, so she must be the killer you're looking for, because the, the men, men were, were drained of testosterone. So I guess she, I don't know, had some sort of testosterone hose that she used to suck it out of them and I then mean, drank it. to or... be fair, that that's literally what happened. That, that is what happened. But it's a weird leap where, oh, those men were drained of their testosterone, and this woman has too much testosterone so she's the killer anyway he the coroner leaves and the bad cop daryl's new partner is like well since no one's here i might as well honk her breasts it's so gross but you know all men are gross but it's okay he gets his comeuppance because she wakes up and sticks her tongue down his throat and sucks out his testosterone now note that he didn't need to say she was irresistible first I guess grabbing someone's breasts while you think they're dead. <laughs> I, oh, maybe they shouldn't have written this episode. I, this episode was a mistake. Oh, all right. Back at the Hallowell Manor up in the attic, Prue and Piper are having like a heart to heart where Prue's like, hey, Piper, I've learned that men are human beings. And maybe you should ask out Dan because maybe he's just feeling vulnerable. And Piper's like, hey, Prue, shut up. <laughs> like, there's, there's what, five minutes left in this episode? I don't have time for you to be fake wise right now. We need to get you back to not having a fake mustache. Well, nothing in this episode has led me to the conclusion that men are also just human beings. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's not what this episode has uh, taught me. So they're looking for the through the book to see if there's, you know, a solution. And Prue wanders off. And Phoebe has a vision of the succubus breaking into their house and grabbing Prue. Yeah, no, not a vision. Not She's a seen vision. through yes. the succubus's eyes. And, okay, this is hilarious. They run into the bathroom where Prue was. We hear something break. They run into the bathroom. And I don't know why they didn't trust us to just see what happened. Because they ADR Piper's voice saying, 
where did she go? And then the camera pans and we see the giant window that has been smashed. There, Piper. She went there. God. So, much like uh, the Angel episode where the old man was switching bodies, the succubus likes to do her killing in a fancy hotel room. It's true, she does. So she has Prue lying on the bed and she's taking off her sexy outfit all sexy like and she's like groping the stuffed shirt they have shannon doherty in and she's like "Ooh, you're so manly and mannish manny the stuffed shirt that makes her head look tiny yes and piper's like wait if you are connected to the demon just take control of her and uh you know stop it stop killing prue stop it stop it so that's what she does she takes control of it and she's like hey prue you're a woman that means you're not attracted to women and prue's like oh right you're not hot and the woman's like you don't think i'm hot no and she bursts into flame okay so this really seems to be hinting at phoebe developing more general psychic powers which she doesn't no no Okay, to be fair, to be fair, the woman just doesn't burst into flames and proves like you're not actually hot. Discovering that she's not into women reignites her telekinesis and she telekinetically throws her into a bunch of candles and the candles set her on fire. But she explodes when the fire touches her. Who is she? Aviva's aunt? We also see that in the armoire that she gets thrown into are all of the egg sacs, so those get burned up too, so that's not a plot hole. And then... <laughs> Yay! Yeah. And then Prue's a woman again. She she uh, she does the Mulan thing where she shakes out her hair and her fake facial hair disappears. She also feels up her boobs. She's that's like, not a Mulan thing. Well, we haven't seen the new live-action Mulan, so maybe it's a thing there. Where she apparently has superpowers. Yeah, yeah, she has, like, a lot of chi. She can, like, fly, and she's super strong, and she's got laser eyes, and she fights a witch or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's my understanding. So, at P3, the Cranberries are playing, and... It's their song that you recognize that isn't their main song that you'd recognize. Well, it's not Zombie. Yeah. And... The girls all pair up with their guys, right? Like, Phoebe is with Owen, and Prue is with Alan, and Piper is with neighbor Dan. Note that she's still vaguely dating Leo at this point, but, eh. Well, Leo can't clip his wings because she told him not to, and he can't really be in a relationship, so I don't know. It's fine. It's fair game. Well, I mean, she's, but she's still, I don't want to say got him on the hook, but, like, they're still kind of dating, right? I mean... I don't know. And there's no future. They have no future together other than the fact that she's seen the future where they're married. Well, yeah, she's condemning that little girl to non-existence by not marrying him and then having her and then getting a divorce. I guess she's condemning her to non-existence anyway because that's not the baby they end up having, so. Yeah. I think she shows up in the comics. Well, yes. uh, In the finale, they established that Piper does have a third child who's a girl, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's it's not the girl from that timeline because that girl didn't have two older brothers. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Huh, I guess that girl just does never exist. 
So that's this episode. Yep, everyone hooks up with the dudes and it heteronormativity turns, is restored. It turns out some men are good after all. Oh, that was a slog. I I don't think of this as a bad episode. It's it's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just it's a nothing episode for me. Like I mean, my problem with the episode, as I stated, is that its very premise is one that that uh, is offensive. Like its very premise is offensive. So, I, I, yeah, yeah. So much like the Hollowell sisters, we have our own power of three. So let's tap into that, and we'll uh, we'll use our power of premonition to see who is, was, or will become famous who guested in this episode. And I had nobody. I the the one guy who's Prue's love interest was a mainstay of soap operas, and he later comes back as like a delivery man or something uh the the cop daryl's cop who was a jerk and then got sucked dry by the succubus Mm -hmm. is lex medlin who that's a fun name it is a good name i mostly know him as the love interest on drop dead diva oh not not the uh, love interest at the beginning who she... The premise of Drop Dead Diva, Max, I know you know this, is that she dies and like gets into someone else's body. Mm-hmm. And she's still in love with the guy that her old body was you know, in a relationship with, but he thinks his girlfriend is dead even though she's in a different body now. Yes. Not that guy. Not He, he didn't play that guy. He played the guy that she ends up being her actual love interest in later seasons. Her boss? Uh, they did, they all worked at the law firm together. I, you don't remember. I don't remember what the, what their business relationship with each other was. Hmm. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Good for him being in other stuff where he's less creepy, he, I presume. He was much less creepy. Owen was a much nicer guy than, uh, this inspector was. Oh, also Owen. Yeah, yeah, his name was Owen. But that wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that'll take us to our next segment, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode? Video dating, obviously. Obviously video dating. And the cranberries. And the cranberries. Uh, And very shiny shirts at clubs. Is that still a thing? I don't think that's a thing. Well, clubs aren't a thing anymore. But when they are a thing again, I think shiny shirts will still be a thing. I think shiny shirts are perennial at clubs. God. Uh, And the cranberries. And the cranberries. But mostly video dating. Yeah. Although I feel like video dating is actually older than this episode wanted it to be. Yeah, it seemed out, like it seemed out of date for this episode. This seemed like something you'd be doing on like Spin City. Well, that's why there was a weird moment where Prue is like, "So this video is going to go up on the internet, right?" Okay. One of my favorite things is when really old newspaper comics that are written by like ninety-year-olds who are like still somehow the grandsons of the people who originally did it uh-huh try to talk about like computer dating and it's really clear that they don't know how you date in the age of the internet because for them computer dating is still you go into an office somewhere where there's a lady behind a desk who's like uh 
according to the computer, you know, your email got lost in the dead email office or whatever. Then well, where where internet dating is still like a matchmaker service. Well, okay. So one of my things with older comic strips like that, mm-hmm. or even some newer comic strips, is what is the punchline supposed to be? Not is this funny because they're not. They're, they're they're not funny ever. But can I identify what the joke is supposed to be here? And you'd be, I, I mean, if you regularly read newspaper comics, you won't be surprised how often you just can't tell what the joke is supposed to be. I've read hundreds of Croc strips, and I don't think I've ever got a punchline for Croc. Why? I mean, I know why, because you read comics curmudgeon. But... Yes, and Josh's commentary is very funny. But it's so removed from what we earth people consider humor yeah that's fair uh that's why in my old age i'm getting into the soap opera strips they, they don't try to have a punchline they just they just exist they just tell a story well mary worth's awesome she kills people now mary worth is good and and of course with the new writer i'm getting into mark trail now too i'm still not sold on new mark trail i think it's good i'm like that they're invigorating the franchise but I miss the guy who just, you know, didn't understand human emotions and solved all of his problems through punching and having bears fight larger bears. Um, I'm pretty sure when we get to Happy Trails Farm, Mark Trail will be doing a significant amount of punching, so I wouldn't worry about that. I'm just saying my affection for Mark Trail was deeply tied to how bad it was. I can and, see how that's an issue now. And now that it is better, it's holding less appeal to me because I'm like, oh, well, now it's just a competent comic strip. I mean, I, I, I'm I, genuinely enjoying it, like, unironically, as opposed to, you know, the only way I was able to enjoy it before, which is, which is how terrible it was. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. All of the women wear pink polo shirts. That's how you can tell they're women, speaking of gender essentialism. <laughs> and they all have the same haircut. What's our final segment? Our final segment is telekinesis. What genuinely moved you this episode, if anything? Nothing moved me this episode. I really liked when Prue, when Prue punched Owen and then punched the cop. I wish she had kept on punching people. It was hilarious. Okay, so the <laughs> punch them, Dad. Punch everyone. The the emotion you felt wasn't exactly. Uh... It made me laugh, like uh, blades. That was great, though. By the way, if you haven't listened to uh, Tina's remix of Blades, it is on our Patreon. Yeah, click over to our Patreon and, and listen to it. It's, it's pretty great. I I was just fooling around. I I, I uh, after I posted the last episode, I was like, oh, Blades, Blades. <laughs> okay, so I guess that's it for this week, yeah. right? Yeah. So. We're done with that. Next time's episode is That Old Black Magic. Ooh, that's the one with the sorceress who looks kind of like Bernadette Peters. Yes, the sisters must find and train the Chosen One to vanquish a powerful evil witch that could destroy them. She has the power of... I think she throws snakes at people. Nice. Which... They're worse powers, I guess. Snake tossing. You know, okay, so after Morality Bites, I was surprised by how much I liked the next two episodes. 
I'm ready to like an episode of Charmed again. Okay, yes. So, fingers crossed for that. So I guess that does it. Yeah, that'll about do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. I'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, and Kate. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Mm-hmm.